Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 243. Today we're beginning a new book, the book of Nehemiah, which is named after the character who comes to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And as he does this, we see in his character a humility and a sense of unworthiness that is characteristic of someone who comes to lead by serving. And we see this incredible attribute in the life of Nehemiah, which reminds us of this question in one sense, and that is who really is worthy to receive God's uh, favor and love and mercy. And the answer of our passages today, including Revelation 5, is that there is no one on earth who is worthy in and of his or herself. But there is one who's worthy that we meet in Revelation 5. And as we meet him, we see that he is the one who shows that mercy and that grace we long for even though we are not worthy of it. So let's begin with Nehemiah 1 and see the life of Nehemiah begin to unfold in this book. These are the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. It so happened that in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, I was in Susa, the citadel. Hananiah, who was one of my relatives, along with some of the men from Judah, came to me and I asked them about the Jews who had escaped and had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They said to me, The remnant that remains from the exile there in the province are experiencing considerable adversity and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem lies breached and its gates have been burned down. When I heard these things, I sat down abruptly, crying and mourning for several days. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Then I said, Please, O Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps his loving covenant with those who love him and obey his commandments, may your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I am praying to you today throughout both day and night on behalf of your servants, the Israelites. I am confessing the sins of the Israelites that we have committed against you. Both I myself and my family have sinned. We have behaved corruptly against you, not obeying the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments that you have commanded your servant Moses. Please recall the words you commanded your servant Moses, which said, If you act unfaithfully, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you repent and obey my commandments and do them, then even if your dispersed people are in the most remote location, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen for my name to reside. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your mighty strength and by your powerful hand. Please, Lord, listen attentively to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who take pleasure in showing respect to your name. Grant your servant success today and show compassion to me in the presence of this man. Now, I was cupbearer for the king. Then in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to me, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Previously, I had not been depressed in the king's presence. So the king said to me, Why do you appear to be depressed when you aren't sick? What can this be other than sadness of heart? This made me very fearful. I replied to the king, O king, live forever. Why would I not appear dejected when the city with the graves of my ancestors lies desolate and its gates destroyed by fire? The king responded, What is it it that you are seeking? Then I quickly prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, 
If the king is so inclined, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, dispatch me to Judah, to the city with the graves of my ancestors, so I can rebuild it. Then the king, with his consort sitting beside him, replied, How long would would your trip take, and when would you return? Since the king was pleased to send me, I gave him a time. I said to the king, If the king is so inclined, let him give me letters for the governors of the trans-Euphrates that will enable me to travel safely until I reach Judah, and a letter for Asaph, the keeper of the king's nature preserve, so that he will give me timber for beams for the gates and the fortresses adjacent to the temple, and for the city wall, and for the house to which I go. So the king granted me these requests, for the good hand of God was on me. Then I went to the governors of trans-Euphrates, and I presented to them the letters from the king, The king had sent me with officers of the army and horsemen. When Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard all this, they were very displeased that someone had come to seek benefit for the Israelites. So I came to Jerusalem. When I had been there for three days, I got up during the night along with a few men who were with me, but I did not tell anyone what my God was putting on my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no animals with me except for the one I was riding. I proceeded through the valley gate by night in the direction of the well of the dragons and the dung gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem that had been breached and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. I passed on to the gate of the well and the king's pool, where there was not enough room for my animal to pass with me. I continued up the valley during the night inspecting the wall, then I turned back and came to the valley gate and so returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I had been doing, for up to this point I had not told any of the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or the rest of the workers. Then I said to them, You see the problem that we have. Jerusalem is desolate and its gates are burned. Come on, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that this reproach will not continue. Then I related to them how the good hand of my God was on me and what the king had said to me. Then they replied, Let's begin building, rebuilding right away. So they readied themselves for this good project. But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Gershom the Arab heard all this, they derided us and expressed contempt toward us. They said, What is this you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I responded to them by saying, The God of heaven will prosper us. We, his servants, will start the rebuilding. But you have no just or ancient right in Jerusalem. Then Eliashib the high priest and his priestly colleagues arose and built the sheep gate. They dedicated it and erected its doors, working as far as the Tower of a Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built adjacent to it, and Zakur, son of Imri, built adjacent to them. The sons of Hassanah rebuilt the fish gate. They laid its beams and positioned its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, worked on the section adjacent to them. Meshulam, son of Barakiah, the son of Meshashabal, worked on the section next to them. And Zadok, son of Bana, worked on the section adjacent to them. The men of Tekoa worked on the section adjacent to them, but their town leaders would not assist with the work of their master. Jehoiada, son of Pasiah, and Meshulam, son of Bezodiah, worked on the the Jasana gate. They laid its beams and positioned its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Adjacent to them worked Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranathite, who were men of Gibeon and Mizpah. These towns were under the jurisdiction of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Hariah, a member of the Goldsmiths Guild, worked on the section adjacent to him. Hananiah, a member of the Perfumers Guild, worked on the section adjacent to him. They plastered the city wall of Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, head of the half-district of Jerusalem, worked on the section adjacent to them. Jediah, son of Haramph, 
worked on the section adjacent to them, opposite his house, and Hattush, son of Hashabaniah, worked on the section adjacent to him. Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pahath Moab, worked on another section and the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halashesh, head of the half-district of Jerusalem, worked on the section adjacent to him, assisted by his daughters. Hanun and the residents of Zanon worked on the valley gate. They rebuilt it and positioned its doors, its bolts, and its bars, in addition to working on 100 and, or 1,500 feet of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malkijah, son of Rechab, head of the district of beth worked on the dung gate. He rebuilt it and positioned its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Shalom, son of Kolhozath, head of the district of Mizpah, worked on the fountain gate. He rebuilt it, put on its roof, and positioned its doors, its bolts, and its bars. In addition, he rebuilt the wall of the Pool of Siloam by the royal garden as far as the steps that go down from the city of David. Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, head of the half-district of Bethshur, worked, worked after him as far as the tombs of David and the artificial pool and the house of warriors. After him, the Levites worked, Rehum, son of Bani, and after him, Hashabiah, head of the half-district of Kaliah, for his district. After him, their relatives worked, Benui, son of Hanadad, head of the half-district of Kiliel. Adjacent to him, Ezer, son of Yeshua, head of Mizpah, worked on another section opposite the ascent to the armory of the buttresses. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, worked on another section from the buttress to the door to the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, worked on another section from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of it. After him, the priests worked, men of the nearby district. After them, Benjamin and Hashub worked opposite their house. After them, Azariah, son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, worked near his house. After him, Benui, son of Hanadad, worked on another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and the corner. After him, Palal, the son of Uzai, worked opposite the buttress of the tower that protrudes from the upper palace of the court of the guard. And after him, Padiah, son of Parash, and the temple servants who were living at Ophel worked up to the area opposite the water gate toward the east end of the protruding tower. After them, the men of Tekoa worked on another section from opposite the great protruding tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests worked, each in front of his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emer, worked opposite his house. And after him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, guard at the east gate, worked. After him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, worked on another section. After them, Meshulah, son of Barakiah, worked opposite his quarters. And after him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, worked as far as the house of the temple servants and the traders, opposite the inspection gate and up to the room above the corner. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the traders worked. Now that's what we'll leave uh, Nehemiah for now, but you might notice it's like here's Nehemiah showing great humility, comes, gives a plan, encourages the people to go, and you see this incredible list and you think, what, what is this here for? And I think one of the main reasons to show all these people together are willing to work together. They're humbly willing to work together, whether they're skilled in these things or not. Uh, there's perfumers working on this wall. There are people from all kinds of different walks of life, uh, all different skills and abilities working on this wall. And it's because they're realizing the humble uh, example of Nehemiah and also recognizing his leadership and saying, let's work together and do this because the God who we are serving, the God who has called us to this place is a God who is worthy to be worshiped. And we see that worthiness of God now also pictured in the book of Revelation. Revelation. 
And this is one of the scenes in Revelation that is, I think, for me, one of the most inspiring scenes because it shows the worthiness of the one who is truly worthy, Jesus himself, the Lamb of God who was slain. And he's worthy to be praised because he's the one who takes unworthy people like me and makes us people who are forgiven. He makes me a forgiven person, loved, accepted, and worthy in the sight of God, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done on my behalf. And that makes him worthy of being worshipped and praised. And that's what we see of every tribe, tongue, and nation, people around the throne praising him, praising God. So let's read Revelation 5, and I hope we'll be inspired by the one who is worthy. Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne a scroll written on the front and back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a powerful angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. So I began weeping bitterly because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Thus he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw standing in the middle of the throne and the four living creatures and in the middle of the elders a lamb that appeared to have been killed. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders threw themselves to the ground before the lamb. Each of them had a harp and, a golden, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They were singing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were killed. And at the cost of your own blood, you have purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have appointed them as a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels in a circle around the throne, as well as the living creatures and the elders. Their number was 10,000 times 10,000, thousands times thousands, all of whom were singing in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was killed to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and all that is in them singing, To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise, honor, glory, and ruling power forever and ever. And the four living creatures were saying, Amen. And the elders threw themselves to the ground and worshipped. What a beautiful scene. What an incredible scene. All of creation in heaven and on earth. Human beings who have been redeemed. Angels, elders, all the people, everybody falling down to worship the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because he was slain, he was killed, and his blood is what purchased what caused us to be able to be forgiven and be able to be people who can sing worthy is the lamb who was slain thanks for listening to the bible in 260 podcast may what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today the scriptures quoted are from the net bible http netbible.com copyright 1996 2019 used with permission from biblical studies press llc all rights reserved
Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-